Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 105 in Edmonton, hour number two of Oilers Now. Bob Stauffer with you. Oilers Now is brought to you by Digitex. Digitex has our office printer and supply needs covered. They do it all, and they can be doing it for you now. Coming up in this hour, in 37 seconds time, the editor of The Athletic, which has changed uh, sports journalism to a large extent uh, over the last year and a half or so. James Myrtle will talk a bit about uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and a bit about the Athletic as well. At one uh, twenty today, the newest member of the Edmonton Oilers, well, he's he's been an Oilers member for a while or in the organization, but the Oilers signing him to an NHL deal today. Tyler Vessel will join us on Oilers now. And at one thirty-five, the Director of Prospect Scouting for McKean's with their 2018 uh, NHL Draft Guide, Ryan Wagman. Uh, here on Oilers Now. Guests on the show receive gift certificates to Japanese Village, three locations downtown Southside and Northside. Of course, you can text us on our Westlock Ford text line at 630-630. If you're looking for a new vehicle, go see Paul Olson at Westlock Ford. Very understated, not too pushy, relaxed. Check out their great selection today at westlockford.com. Worth the drive to get your new ride. We're on Twitter at Oilers Now. And we head off to our River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. We welcome back to the show the editor for uh, Canada for The Athletic and James Myrtle. James, how are you? I'm good, Bob. How are you doing? Good. You've had uh, about, a, I guess, a week and a half or so, two weeks to sort of decompress. I don't know if that changed anything for you and the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's been some developments uh, in terms of that organization. But I'd just like to get your thoughts on, you know, Leafs losing in seven. How how has this year been viewed in the Toronto marketplace? The regular season was a step forward, I think. I mean, they went from a 95-point team to a 105-point team. Um, obviously, they didn't get home ice in the first round. They didn't win the division, so maybe that's slightly disappointing. But, you know, there were steps forward for a lot of the young players. Uh, and in the postseason, you know, it stands as a little bit of a disappointment because, you know, while they did challenge Boston, they they got smoked in the first two games, games one and two, and then Nazem Kadri got suspended for three games. And, it's awfully hard to climb out of a hole like that. So, you know, and in watching the second round, I mean, the way I reflect is you you look at how easily Tampa dispatched of the Bruins, and you wonder how the Leafs would have matched up against the Lightning. And I think that that's a good barometer of how far the Leafs still need to go. 
Yeah, uh, it was interesting because I, I got, you know, there was some pressure on Austin Matthews as that series uh, wore on, and he wasn't overly productive. Mitch Marner was the best of the three young guys. But for me, the the blow that hurt Toronto the most was, and, and maybe it's my own bias from how he's played against Edmonton over the last couple of years, but Nazem Kadri. I mean, Nazem Kadri is a very effective, agitating player. Uh, you know, he scored 30 goals in back-to-back seasons, and the Leafs could ill afford to have him suspended for three games. And in a seven-game series, not having that guy could have been the swing difference in the series. Yeah. And, I mean, Kadri could be a first-line center on a lot of teams. You know, and before this team had Austin Matthews, he was the Leafs' first-line center. So you're right. I mean, he's had back-to-back 30-goal seasons. He's their shutdown guy against a team... Like, what was happening is that Boston's top line was just completely decimating them. Pasternak had a monster of a series. Bergeron, every time he was on the ice, it was basically a different series when that line was on the ice. Brad Marchand, obviously, as well, when that line was on the ice and when they weren't on the ice. So not having Kadri hurt them, not only because he's a good player and a shutdown player who can match up against Bergeron's line to some extent, the other thing that hurt them is that the Leafs are really, really thin at center ice. And that's going to be a big part of the storyline for the offseason is that they need to add two more centers. And, you know, taking Kadri out of the lineup meant that Thomas Placanich had to play way more minutes. Dominic Moore had to come into the lineup. Uh, William Nylander playing a little bit at center ice. It, it, none of it was ideal. It was just, it was, he's one of the players they couldn't afford to lose for three games in a seven-game series. All right. Um, since the Leafs have been eliminated, obviously the Lou Lamarillo story has broken. I know that uh, you know he's gone from the. Uh, well, I guess he techni- he technically isn't gone from the Maple Leafs. He just won't be there. He's still in an advisor role, is he not, James? Yeah. Well, we'll see how long that lasts. There's a lot of talk about him potentially joining the New York Islanders. So, um, we'll, we'll see. I mean. You know, uh, being an advisor, I don't know, is the greatest fit for Lou Lamorello, but, you know, it's going to depend if he has other opportunities or not. All right. Um, so is this, we know for a fact that the Leafs refused to allow Kyle Dubas to interview for a GM's job last year. Is it fait accompli that he's going to be the next general manager? I think it's pretty close. I would say I'm 98% certain, but... I'm not 100, so I'm not going to go that far and say that. He actually did interview with Colorado, but they they blocked him from from actually going. And that was controversial at the time in the front office. But I I believe that the reason that that happened was they they fully intend on on sticking with the succession plan and and making Kyle the GM. So this is an interesting one because when when you read stuff out of Toronto, to me it almost comes down to – you can tell which writers are pro-analytics and which writers are anti-analytics. And for the guys that are, you know, I have, as you know, I have time for it, but I still think you, a lot of time for it. But I still think you need to see the player. And some of the people, not all, some of the people that have fought the analytics battle have to be right in every situation. Uh, that said, is it, hypothetically, assuming Dubas gets the job, is Mark Hunter as good as gone? Because he's sort of seen as an old uh, old school guy, and some of the old school writers want Hunter being the guy being the GM. I don't think that he would stay long term, and I don't think that he has the greatest relationship with Kyle Dubas, and I don't know that he would want to work underneath him. Um, but, you know, I mean, if he doesn't have another opportunity, I could see him staying for, for this next draft or for another year or... You know, it's all of this stuff is in flux right now because we don't know for sure who the GM is going to be, and we don't know what the follow-up from that's going to be. Uh, it has been reported that that Brendan Shanahan met with Mark Hunter, and I'm sure that this is one of the things that was discussed. Is you know, uh, or 
story is going to be discussed is what is your role if if Kyle becomes the GM and you know Shanahan built this really interesting kind of Frankenstein front office with him at the top and Mike Babcock's got a say and 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 Kyle Dubas had a say and and Lou Lamorello and Mark Hunter a lot of big personalities and and you know a lot of you know there's egos there and there's very very different opinions there and but for the most part it's worked and they've made a lot of the right decisions and um, this is going to be a huge period of change for that entire front office here. And it comes in a year when they've got a lot of big decisions to make. And we'll get to those decisions in a second. Of course, the Hunter family owns the London Knights, who are a team that defies logic, much like Portland in the Western Hockey League and the Quebec Ramparts in the Quebec League. They seem to have a pretty good team basically three out of every four years, which maybe speaks to their ability to get players uh, that other organizations can't get which opens up the framework of the discussion. If it's not cyclical in junior hockey, what are you doing to cheat? And if you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's a conversation for another day at another time. But I, I do find it quite interesting with, with, with Hunter because you got Dubas out of the Sioux Greyhounds and, you know, you know the deal from there. So these guys are rivals. Uh, you said big, uh, big decisions to make. A couple of them involve some unrestricted free agents, primarily James Van Reensdyke as well as... Uh, uh, Tyler Bozak, uh, to name a couple. Uh, I'm sure is, is Komarov a free agent as well. Yeah, yeah, those are the three main veteran guys. Okay. And what's going to happen there? Con- yeah, they haven't had contract talks with any of those guys. So you know, it's my sense is that there's not going to be contract talks. I mean, maybe if we get to July 4th or 5th, and and Leo Komarov and and uh, Tyler Bozak are still sitting there and they're willing to take uh, a haircut, maybe there's a conversation. But I, I doubt it. I, I think all three are moving on. How are the Leafs going to handle signing the three kids? That's a great question. It's a great question. I mean, it's for one, we need to know who the GM is to know how they're going to potentially okay. approach that. Um, the interesting thing is, is that they need to decide on William Nylander first. Um, and that's going to set a bar that, based on the season he had, especially the second half and the playoffs that he had, Mitch Marner is going to clear tremendously. So if you give William Nylander a long-term deal for $6.5 or $7 million a year, Mitch Marner is going to have a very good case that he deserves a lot more than that. And his asking price was going up all throughout the second half of the season and the playoffs. And I bet that Marner will plays out this next year and potentially has a monster season. I think he was, I, I think he was top ten in NHL scoring over over the last thirty five game, yeah. games of the season. So, and he was their best player in the playoffs too. So, if he does that over the course of a full year. And, and really helps drive the offense. And he could potentially even outscore Austin Matthews over a full season in terms of point production. If he does that, it is going to be a real challenge to keep these three kids uh, on reasonable contracts on their second deals. Could you hypothetically see them move a Nylander for some help on defense? I don't think they're going to do that yet, no. I think that they still want to see what they've got in him. I, my sense is that if that's going to happen, it's at least more than a year away. But, we'll, I mean, he had a terrible postseason, so, again, it's going to depend what the, the... The problem is is that they have two holes. They need a top three center, and they need a right D, preferably a top pair right D, which is probably the hardest thing to get in the league right now. <laughs> and they don't they don't have a lot to give up to trade for that if, yep. if they're unwilling to move the kids, which I think they are. So that's what's going to be so... And, and the other crazy thing, Bob, is that this Leafs team has a ton of cap space this year. Tons. Because Matthews and Marner's deals aren't coming on the books yet. Right. They've got, the piece I've got at The Athletic today, they've got $26 million they can spend this summer. But what are they going to spend it on? You know, if you can't get Tavares or John Carlson, 
you know, they might get stuck with a whole bunch of cap space and no way to really fill the holes that they've got. Do they have to have, do they have to know what they're paying Matthews before they're paying Nylander? Because I look at, you know, the McDavid deal getting done before Drysidle, even though Drysidle's was up a year earlier. I think they know what Matthews' contract's going to be. What do you think? I think of, I, what's he going to get? Is he, he getting 11? He's between Eichel and McDavid. And, you know, the, whether the debate is 10 and a half, 11, 11 and a half, 11, 7, 5. I mean, you can make the case because the cap's gone up since McDavid signed his deal, yada, 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 that, you know, maybe he can get closer to that. I'm sure that that's what the agent is going to do. Um, but, I mean, like, generally speaking, you know the range within you know, a million, a million and a half. It's not going to fundamentally change what you're doing. James Myrtle uh, is the editor of The Athletic, and that's what we're going to talk about next. Uh, it's been transformational in terms of the industry. Uh, you guys have hired a lot of good writers across North America. Some of the guys are the biggest followings out there on Twitter and that sort of thing. Um, how would you assess sort of the first full year of The Athletic? Good. I mean, we expanded across Canada. I, I mean, at this time last year, 12 months ago, we were in three markets. So, and now we're in 24, and we're going to be adding a few more here in the next few weeks. So, and that includes all uh, seven Canadian NHL cities. Um, we went across Canada in, in September, and um, I think we had a good first eight, nine months in, in Canada, uh, but I think we can be a lot better, and, and that's what the challenge is going to be this summer. That's something that I'm working on right now, and you know, I'm hoping we can take the next step with the company and, and provide fans in, in every market with really, really good coverage. What could you do better in Edmonton? I think that we need more staff. I, mean, I think we need more staff in all of Western Canada, so I'm hoping that that's something that we can execute on over the next you know, three or four months. I think we just need more coverage. And I'm really happy with the number of people that have signed up in Edmonton. The response has been really, really good. And I think that Jonathan Willis and, and Alan Mitchell, our writers there, have done a great job of kind of um, providing a little bit different coverage than maybe what else is available. And that people have responded to that and signed up. But I think we can be even better. And I think that, that includes hiring more people there. All right. How do people uh, access the athletics uh, site? Theathletic.com, or you can download our app in the App Store. The app is is very, very good, and I don't say that in any way that I contributed to it because I didn't build it or anything, but people should just have a look at the app um, because you can read a few stories for free there before you have to sign up, and uh, that's the best way to check it out. And it'll customize your feed entirely based on which teams you want to read about. So if you just want to read about the Oilers, you can set it up that way. Well, not to date myself, but I signed up when uh, you didn't have anybody in Edmonton, so I, I actually <laughs> get the Maple Leaf stuff first thing in the morning, and that just kind of makes me chuckle because uh, you know how much I like Toronto. But uh, anyhow, James, we appreciate the time. Thank you for shedding some insight on what the Maple Leafs potentially might be doing, and we'll touch base down the road, all right? Okay, Bob. Thanks for having me. You bet. That is James Myrtle. He is the editor of The Athletic. It is 119 in Edmonton. And uh, probably within the next 90 seconds, we'll be hearing from Tyler Vessel, who uh, was signed today by the Edmonton Oilers organization. He went down on an ATO at the end of the season to Bakersfield after finishing up his college career at Nebraska-Omaha, playing for Mike Gabinette. This is Oilers Now.
When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Off day for Connor McDavid and Team Canada today at the World Hockey Championship. Uh, they practice tomorrow. They don't play again till Thursday. They go Thursday and Saturday. Canada with a 2-0-1 record. The U.S. at uh, 3-0 winning the shootout against Canada in the skills competition 5-4. Back in 2014 at the uh, NHL entry draft, uh, which, by the way, that year was in Philadelphia. Oilers got Leon Dreisaitl, third overall. I'd say they won the draft that year after uh, Buffalo. Put it this way, is Tim Murray still a GM of the Buffalo Sabres if he takes Dreisaitl instead of Sam Reinhart? I think you can make that argument. Uh, anyhow, uh, the Oilers made a six-round selection, 153rd overall. Tyler Vessel, he was playing at Shattuck St. Mary's at that time. He subsequently went to Omaha and then spent the last four seasons, uh, the Omaha Lancers in the USHL, spent the last four seasons... Uh, with uh, the University of Nebraska-Omaha. And uh, Tyler Vessel today signed a one-year deal. He's 24, so if you're 20 or 21, it's a three-year deal. If you're 22, it's a two-year deal. And a 24-year-old, you can sign to a one-year deal. And Tyler Vessel uh, is going to join us right now as we speak here on Oilers Now. Tyler, thank you for taking time. Uh, Congratulations on getting the uh, deal done. How excited are you to get this opportunity moving forward? Uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a great honor. Um, you know, being drafted by this organization uh, a few years back, and um, just to be with such a, a storied uh, franchise, it's, uh, it's it's very very exciting, and uh, you know, I can't wait to get started. Tell us about your game. Uh, you know, you're five eleven, about one hundred eighty five pounds. Uh, play center and a little bit of wing. You're right shot, but uh, how would you describe yourself as a player? Um, you know, I'd say. It's Two way, two way forward. Uh, you know, move the puck well. Um, City ice pretty well. Um, yeah, yeah. I think my best asset is um, you know my uh, my hockey IQ and um, you know sometimes I can read the read the play before it comes, which you know helps out in uh, such a fast game. So um, yeah, my biggest uh, biggest thing is that, and just a two way forward who will play uh, both sides of the ice. All right. You had three goals and six points in 11 games in Bakersfield to close out the season when you went in there, uh, you know, after your season in Nebraska-Omaha finished up. What was the biggest adjustment going from the NCAA to the American Hockey League for you? Um, you know, I'd say just everyone's um, just a lot a lot more skilled uh, from top to bottom to light up. Um, you know, in college, you know, the first couple lines are going to be more skilled, and third and fourth lines are going to be, you know, labeled as grinders. And, um, you know, I didn't see that um, going up to the AHL. And, you know, fourth liners could play in the first line and, and whatnot. So um, just just kind of that. Everyone's, everyone's smart. You don't have as much time with the puck. 
Did you take a look at the Oilers' uh, lineup? And, and I mean, as a, a right shot, I think that that's something that's coveted uh, in hockey circles these days. Uh, just because, especially with Canadian players, there's a preponderance of left shooting uh, Canadian players. There's actually a higher percentage of right shooting American players. I wonder if that has to do with baseball and golf. But uh, I digress. Uh, did you did you look at the scenario in Edmonton, or, or did you think maybe, in other words, did you explore other options, or did you were your sort of mind set up? On, on playing for the Oilers organization. Yeah, I didn't, we didn't really look at that at all. Um, you know, being a draftee, we you know we weren't looking at other options. We were trying to you know figure something out with the Oilers from square one, and um, you know we finally got something done. So um, you know this team drafted me, and they've got um, you know a lot of uh, they take a lot of pride in me. So um, you know that was that was my number one option, and that's what we went with. Mike Gabinette. Was last year his first year as head coach and second year with your program down in Nebraska, Omaha? Yep, yep. He was head coach last year, and then a uh, year before he was the assistant coach. And how did, been there for two years. how did you, because uh, Mike's uh, grandfather, Claire Drake, uh, I was the old SID at the University of Alberta going back, oh geez, longer than I want to talk about now, but 10 plus years. And <laughs> and uh, Claire Drake coached that program and was put in the Hockey Hall of Fame in November. Uh, how did you find uh, playing for Mike over the last couple seasons? Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, you know, I learned, learned a lot from him. And um, he came in and, you know, he was, he was a teacher from day one. He just taught the game and he knows the game so well. Um, you know, and, he, and he's a great head coach. He communicates well, and he's got all the, the assets to be a great coach. So, um, yeah, it was a pleasure playing for him, and uh, you know, he taught me a lot. So, so do you co- do you end up coming to the Oilers? I mean, development camp in 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 July, or is because you've now played pro, it's off to sort of uh, the main camp when we get rolling in the fall. Um, I'm not sure yet. I think they want me to come. Um, you know, and if they do, I will. But um, I've been to three yes. development camps already, so um, yeah, I'm not sure. So we'll see. All right, Tyler. Uh, congratulations on getting the deal done. We look forward to seeing you down the road. All right, I appreciate it. Thanks. That's Tyler Vessel. Again, a sixth-round pick of the Oilers back in 2014. Signs a one-year deal today with the Oilers. Uh, Jay Woodcroft, uh, th- this is a guy that can... Oilers need more skill. and we, We've talked about that. Now, Kyler Yamamoto may be in the American Hockey League next year. He might make the Oilers. He's a pretty smart player, pretty skilled guy. Tyler Benson, I think, is uh, a lot to be in the AHL. He's going to He's done what he can do in junior. It's time for him to move on. Uh, Cameron Habig playing for the Memorial Cup with the Regina Pats, a 20-year-old. Uh, I see him slated in the American Hockey League. Uh, Cooper uh, Marodi, who uh, played in Michigan and has signed and finished up in the AHL. He's going to be down there. They're still going to have Callahan, and they're still going to have Malone. They've got a year left in both of their deals. I think Malone might end up here in Edmonton, potentially as a 14th forward, just because he is what he is. And I think the Oilers are going to sign a, uh, a, a, a AHL scoring centerman. That's, to me, that makes sense, because I think they it's proven they needed a little bit more skill. And Jay Woodcroft, of course, goes down there as their head coach. It's 128 in Edmonton. When we come back in orders now, we'll talk about the upcoming NHL draft with Ryan Wagman uh, from McKean's. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.